Amen. Aren't you thankful for grace? That the Lord loved us enough to die for our sins. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. And he saves us. He forgives us. What a wonderful and an awesome God he is. Well, I want to join with Dr. Bradford today and say thank you for being here. This is your very first time. We're glad that you're here. Or if you've been coming for a good many years, we're glad that you're here as well. We're here today to worship, which we have been doing. And we're here also to turn to the pages of the word of the Lord and see what the Lord would be pleased to speak to our hearts about through his word. So today I'm going to ask you if you would, um, again, I have been told by several that uh, you really appreciate having the words on the screen, uh, the scripture, so that you can read. Um, I've got mixed feelings about that, honestly. Uh, I know it's a blessing to be able to look up and read it on the screen, but it, it also um, tends to cause maybe some of us not to bring our Bibles to church and open them when we uh, hear the word of the Lord. And sometimes that's very helpful. Because what you see in the Bible, you can make notes and underline and highlight and and so forth and go back and see that again and recall what the Lord spoke to you in those times. So um, we're not in, encouraging people to leave your Bibles at home and watch the screen, but we are encouraging to, to uh, look with us to the word of the Lord, whichever way you choose when the opportunity comes to do that. We're going to be turning to Romans chapter 1 in a few moments. It'll be on the screen, but if you want to turn there in your Bibles, you're welcome to do that. This morning, we're we're going to be sharing the first of two sermons having to do, generally speaking, with the topic of Thanksgiving. Had anybody thought of the fact that Thanksgiving's coming up shortly? Most of us have probably thought about it and even begun to make plans for that. And in preparation for that, I suppose I was just uh, thinking about the word of the Lord and several things uh, through scripture, some of that that I'd like to share with you today. Next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll be talking about some of the things that the Bible has to say about giving thanks. Many times in scripture, we are told to give thanks to the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Uh, and, and on and on and on the scripture goes, and we'll give some attention to that next week. But today, I would like to take the flip side of that, or the, the um, some would say maybe the look at the negative side versus the positive side. The problem with ingratitude, ingratitude would be not being thankful. And I think, well, no, I don't think, I know. I know, according to the Bible, that there is a problem with ingratitude in the life of a Christian. When Christians aren't thankful, it's indicative of the fact that there is another problem somewhere. Because Christians are supposed to be people uh, having been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. They, they have been washed and cleansed. They have been set apart from the world. God's Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts and in our lives. Well, we're supposed to be just thrilled with what the Lord is done and has done for us. 
And if for no other reasons to experience gratitude, it should be for that. And there are so many other things we need to be thankful for as well. I will say that uh, one of the problems with ingratitude, and it hadn't even come into my mind until just now as I'm talking, that's dangerous sometimes, isn't it? When things come into your mind at the last minute and you just start blurting them out. But one of the problems, I think, with ingratitude is that ingratitude is uh, contagious. Ingratitude is contagious. In other words, when you are around people who are ungrateful, whining, complaining, negative, and, and they just keep on at that, if not careful, you'll be infected by that same spirit. Ingratitude is contagious. So today, I'd like for us to spend a few moments looking at this from Scripture. And we're going to see that indeed it is a, a thing that um, the Bible seems to indicate to us is problematic and dangerous in the life of a Christian. Matthew Henry, some of you have heard of him. He is a preacher scholar who lived in the 1600s. Matthew Henry is probably best known for his um, commentaries that were written. Uh, the entire Bible, I've got his, that's one of the first things I bought when I went into ministry, because everybody did that then. You bought Matthew Henry's commentary. And uh, I'll be honest enough to tell you, I haven't used it as much as I have many others, but But Matthew Henry's commentary of the Bible probably takes up this much space on my bookshelves. 23 volumes, they're all thick volumes, and um, it's, it's quite a work that he did, and he should be remembered for that. But one time in Matthew Henry's life, he was, um, he was robbed. He was going from one place to another, and he was robbed, and then, um, he went and wrote these words in his diary after having been robbed. He says, let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, Because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. Isn't it amazing how this man, obviously one who was a a straight talker and a sound thinker, came up with these reasons to be thankful after he himself had been robbed. You see, we, we all have a choice in life. How we choose to respond to life is up to us. We cannot control what happens to us in life. Amen? Things come our way practically every day that we have no control over. We can't control what happens to us. But we can control what happens in us. How you decide to respond... How you decide to uh, let these external things that made an intrusion into your life, you decide how you're going to respond to those things. You can respond very negatively or very positively. 
Perhaps you remember a few weeks ago, there was a female police officer who made her way late one evening. I don't know if she was drunk or on drugs or what. I never have gotten a clear picture of what happened there. But you saw it all over the news. As this female police officer went into what she says was her own apartment, she thought. Remember this on the news? She went into this room where she thought she lived, but she was one floor down from where she lived. And then she shot and killed what she thought was an intruder in her house. And this was all over the news. On this particular day that I was watching the news, I saw something that brought tears to my eyes. Very touching scene as the brother of this man who was shot, the brother um, of the deceased was in a courtroom. Before the judge stood this female police officer who had shot this man. She admitted to shooting him, but she thought it was in self-defense and she was in her own home, she said. But for whatever the reason was, we won't get into that, but this brother of the deceased was on the stand giving the um, opportunity to share with the accused in front of everybody else how he felt about this particular event. His words were measured. He obviously had thought through what he was going to say. It's been played countless times across social media and on the news. But he sat there and said something like this, as I'll paraphrase. He said, my family doesn't know what I'm about to say. And I don't know how they're going to feel about it. But he said, I want you to know, as he's addressing the police lady who killed his brother, he said, I want you to know that I forgive you. And furthermore, I want you to know that I love you. You have created in our family great devastation. But I'm not going to let that dictate who I am and cause me to to be bitter and angry. But I want you to know that I forgive you and I want you to know that I love you. How many have seen that? And then he said to the judge, he said, Your Honor, may I give her a hug? And there was that silence about like this. And then he said, with his, with his voice quivering, he said, please, I want to give her a hug. And the judge granted his request. And he left his seat and went over to where this lady was standing. And they embraced and they wept. A very moving, emotional scene that took place there. You see, this man made a decision that he was not going to let this horrible thing that had come into his life ruin his life and affect his spirit and his attitude. He obviously was a Christian and he wanted just to say, I want you to know that I forgive you and I love you. You have to admit that was pretty admirable, wasn't it? You see, we have the ability and the power to make the choice of how we respond 
to what happens to us in this life. That was an extreme example. Another example that kind of puts things into perspective for us as far as our ability to make the choices and the ones that we make is the, the story from the Old Testament of Job. And Job lost everything he had. You know the story well, I think. He lost his children, he lost his home, he lost his wealth, he lost his his uh, um, livestock, everything. He's a very wealthy man. He lost everything. Like in a 24-hour period, everything. His whole world was taken. And then he lost his health. And do you know what the Bible says Job did? The Bible says, number one, he worshipped, and number two, he blessed God. After the worst day you could possibly imagine anybody having in their entire lives, the death of, was it 10 or 12 children? 10, I think it was. The death of all of his children, the, the loss of his personal belongings, all of his livestock, all of his wealth, his 401k, his portfolio, everything was gone. Everything was gone. And Job worshipped and he blessed God. On the other hand, though, Job's wife was not cut out of the same cloth, was she? Because her response was, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? You see the difference in the two? The circumstances were the same. But Job worshipped and blessed God. And his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die. That is illustrated, or is a good illustration of what our choices are. The Bible teaches us that we have control of how we think and how we respond. Attitude is important. Amen? And gratitude is also important. And there's a problem with ingratitude. In Romans chapter 1, Paul is looking back. Now, I'm not suggesting he's looking way back into history. I'm just saying he's looking back because everything in this passage, Romans chapter 1, when he's speaking there and talking about the conditions of the world and society and this group of people that he's speaking about, he's speaking in past tense. This has happened to them. This is what they're doing. This is what God did and how God felt. Everything is spoken of in past tense. And he's speaking of what I would say was a very dark subject with dark results. Romans 1 verses 18 through 21, just to give us some context here to begin with. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, 
they did not glorify him as God. In other words, Paul is saying about this group of people that there is enough of the revelation of God in creation, in the skies, in the firmament, in the oceans, everywhere you look, even by what you can reason and think about in your own heart and your mind, God has revealed enough of himself to us that nobody should just make a decision there is no God or they don't want anything to do with God. Everybody should know if they're willing to be honest that there is a God. So much so, according to the Bible, that they are without excuse. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Well, we all know that to be true. That's not a big surprise to any of us. But I'd like for us to notice that the the first phrase after that, that qualifies what he's talking about and illustrates their thinking was, it says, they became futile in their thoughts. Well, no, the first thing was, nor were thankful. They did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were what? Darkened. Now you and I both know there's a difference between darkness and light. Amen? Not only in, we could have, we could have Kevin to cut, Kevin cut the lights out. We might as well do it if we can have him do it. Oh yeah, thank you. Well, there goes that crazy thing. Alright. This is a little different than it was 30 seconds ago, isn't it? Now we're in the dark. Did you know that people can be in the dark spiritually? People can be in the dark emotionally. People can be overcome by darkness in their own hearts and lives. It feels like that light of day is so very far away. There's a lot of different ways and aspects of darkness. But then the light comes back on. So if you would power them back up for us. And then, oh, don't things look so differently? Now, that's a that's a silly little illustration. You knew the difference between light and dark. But you see, that same thing happens to us in other ways than the light switches. It happens in our understanding. That's what happened here. They, they were, the Bible says they knew God, but they did not glorify him as God. Nor were they thankful, but became futile, empty, vain, useless in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened and they found themselves in another place than they were earlier in darkness. If, if you look at all at Romans chapter 1 and read the rest of it and what God did and how this darkness manifests itself in the hearts and lives of humanity that's being talked about there, it's a very ugly picture. As a matter of fact, it looks a whole lot like our our society and our culture in America today. Now, that's as Paul looks back. In the past tense, he talks about and describes these people. Now, we're going to look into another scripture. This time, he's looking forward. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, he's looking forward when he says, But know this. That in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, and then what? 
and then unthankful and unholy, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And here again is a group of people who are associated and have some knowledge of God, but we find that those people themselves are unthankful. Paul looks past and identifies as as dangerous ingratitude or not being thankful. Then he looks forward to the last days, the, the dark days, the perilous days that are to come. He says one of the qualifiers of that is that people will be unthankful. I think it's a problem. I think it's significant. I think it means something. What is the apostles' counsel? What is Paul's advice? How would Paul instruct us as Christians to move forward in our lives if being unthankful was a problem before and being unthankful is going to be a problem in the future and everywhere in between ingratitude has been a problem then what's Paul's prescription what's his solution what are we supposed to do as Christians what would he say well thanks for asking because we're going to turn to Philippians 4 4 through 9 and I'd like for us to see what Paul says we should do as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Occasionally. Once in a while. When things go your way. When you've been blessed. When, when you've just received this Christmas gift that you were hoping somebody would give, then rejoice in the Lord. No, he's not doing that at all. He's not singling out any particular time. He just says, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. And then in case we didn't get it, he says, again, I will say, rejoice. Be thankful. Rejoice. Now, we're going to skip the verses that don't really pertain to what we're talking about. And then in verse 6, he says this. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now, let's let's stop here for just a minute and let's just... Let's just be plain. Let's look at the scripture for what the scripture says and ask ourselves some questions. Um, and, and let's just chew on this a little bit. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication... With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. I'm reminded of what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 6, where he said, Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Listen. 
we, none of us who are here, have ever improved our situation by worrying. Now, if you want to talk about thinking reasonably and trying to work our way through a problem, and I'm not, that's not that's not worrying. Worrying is just going on and on and on and on about something. Sometimes things that we have no control over. And just fretting and worrying and stewing until doing that. If anybody's ever done that, I want you to be honest enough to say amen. Until doing that, you've absolutely sapped every bit of joy and it's just gone. Anybody ever done it? Most of us have. Now, the Bible gives a prescription that will help us avoid doing that if we'll look at what the Bible says. I don't know what it is about humanity that we seem to have this bent, this attraction to talking about things, dwelling on things that do nothing but drag us down. When the Bible tells us that we're to rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, don't worry about anything, be anxious for nothing, don't do any of that, what are we supposed to do? What a friend we have in Jesus. Take it to the Lord in prayer. I don't know of any problem that's ever been solved by belly aching. I don't know of any problem that's ever been solved by grumbling. Now, if you want to, if you want to look for solutions, if you want to move in a positive direction and try to find answers, that's not what we're talking about. But I'm talking about just the whining and the things that we typically are pretty good at. And that come natural to us. We don't really have to put any effort into it. It just kind of flows sometimes when we get into, well, actually when we take our focus off of God. That's generally what happens. We lose hope. And we look at our circumstances and things don't look positive to us. And then we began to wallow. We began to complain. We began to whine. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Well, just to make Pastor Ron feel better and let me know that, that you're with me, we're on the same page. You kind of know what it is I'm trying to say. How many have ever been around somebody who just whined and whined and complained and complained and was negative and negative and it never helped anything at all? We've been there, haven't we? I don't think there's a person in the building that has it. And there again, what I'm saying is that is, that is contagious. Ingratitude is contagious. It doesn't just affect you, but that will jump on other people. And the next thing you know, it spreads and everybody's got a bad attitude because one person started with a bad attitude. It just multiplies itself. And the Bible says, no, rejoice in the Lord always. I, not only this young man who stood in front of the judge and said, may I give her a hug? And he told this lady that he loved her and forgave her. And you say, there's no way anybody could do that. I thought of another one this morning. Remember the, the, the um, shooting at the church in Charleston where this man went in, had a, had a gun under his coat or something. And he went to a church and it was an African-American church and they invited him in and he sat down 
and for Bible study. And then in the middle of the Bible study, he pulled out this gun and started shooting. Remember that? And killed all those people. Do you remember the reaction of that congregation toward that man? It was the same way as this other young man. They forgave him. They said, we hold no ill will against him. We forgive him. We, we, we are not going to let this contaminate our spirit and cause us to have feelings that are unchristlike. We choose to forgive him and to move forward. And you can find ex- the, the Jewish synagogue that somebody went into one of the last major shootings we had. They did the same thing. And then the Jews responded by saying, we're not going to respond with hate and we're not going to, we're going to choose to love and we're going to choose to forgive and move forward. Don't tell me it can't be done. It can be done if we've got our eyes on the Lord and our attitudes right and we want to do what pleases and glorifies the Lord. It can be done, can it? And we can do the same thing in our lives over far less serious things than, than what I've just described to you that God people gave, God gave people the grace to, to take a stand and, and be like Jesus and be forgiving and be loving. So we read this words again, these words again, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That's for me and that's for you. And don't worry about things. Be anxious for nothing. That's for me and that's for you. And then here's what we should do. Go to the Lord in prayer and ask him what we need. Do it with thanksgiving because everything in our world is not sorry and bad. The Lord has blessed us with a lot of things. So we remember the good things that God has done. And then we tell him about the things that are bothering us. Let your request be made known unto God. And then the Bible says, if we'll do that, the peace of God, which passes, surpasses, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Now, how many will admit that there is a very distinct way that's laid out there from the scripture about how we're supposed to handle things when we get in a mess and in a bind? And our attitude is terrible. If you've ever found yourself with a bad attitude, would you lift your hand? And I'm not lifting, just be... I'm, I'm telling you, that's me too. I can have an attitude. I shouldn't, but I, sometimes I get one and I have to go back to the word. Well, listen to what the word says. Verse 8 says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely... Whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the God of peace will be with you. One of the reasons we get in such a dark place sometimes is we're spending our time thinking about the wrong things. And the Bible tells us plainly, if we would be more selective in what we think about and what we dwell on and what we meditate on all the time, we could find ourselves in a much better place than where we are by dwelling in these low, dark places on these dark subjects that depress us and drag us down. Amen? Now, many people are in a dark place. Would you agree with that? Many people are in a dark place. They're in a dark place emotionally. 
Now, follow with me for the next few moments. If you would listen very carefully. Things like murmuring, complaining, negativity, being depressed, whining, grumbling, being down and discouraged. One of the the leading gurus in the business world today, uh, John Maxwell, used a phrase in in his teaching over the years where I've attended some of his seminars and classes. He'd used the word or the phrase stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. Anybody ever done any thinking? Was it stinking thinking? I'll bet you've done some of it. I think probably all of us have. See, you think about the wrong things, you be negative, you, you got your mind focused. Listen, I can remember at different times, well, this is one of them right now, to be honest with you. I can remember right now, if you spend your time watching the news eight hours a day right now, you're going to get into stinking thinking. It'll affect your spirit, it'll drain everything out of you, and you'll feel like there ain't nothing right in the whole world. All because we're feeding our minds and our eyes and our ears the wrong things. So, emotionally, do you know how far you can trust your emotions? About that far. That's about how far you can trust your feelings. Because your feelings change. You could be having the best day you've had in 10 years and one phone call and it changes it. Am I right? And it can go the other way too. You could be having a terrible, horrible day and then get this phone call and it'd be wonderful. It just fixes it. Our, our feelings are fickle. It was um, Martin Luther who said, feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. And they are. My warrant is the word of God. Nothing else is worth believing, he said. But feelings are, are very fickle. And it causes our emotions to be in turmoil. And when we get all, well, um, when we get all messed up and confused and, and, and our own emotions, there again, it's, it's contagious. It affects other people. I'll remind you, Job blessed God. And worshipped and his wife said, curse God and die. And they both lived in the same house and had experienced the same things. Just yesterday, I believe it was, I saw Nick Foles, F-O-L-E-S. Nick Foles is the quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I saw him being interviewed. And I'm not a big football fan in the NFL, but this guy got my attention. Because I, they were saying he was a born again Christian, very committed to his faith. And he was just brought to the Jacksonville Jaguars this past season, 11 weeks ago actually. And in the first game of the season, Nick Foles suffered a broken collarbone. Hasn't played since. I think he's supposed to play this weekend. And they were talking to him about this, about how things had happened. He's a Christian. They know he's a Christian. They're interviewing him. How do you feel about this? Incidentally, he, he is, if I'm not mistaken, a Super Bowl winner hoisting that trophy in there. And that was one of the greatest days of his life. He made reference to that. 
But he said, this is, this is another day. And here's, I quote what Nick Foles said. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. I believe if you read the word of God and you understand it, there's trials along the way. But they equip your heart to be who you are. In other words, what he's saying is, this is life. Sometimes you hold up the Super Bowl trophy. Sometimes you have a broken collarbone and don't play all year. And now you're going in in this part of the season. And how do you feel about it? He says, the Lord's got it. And he's going to use me in whatever situation I'm in to bring glory and honor to his name. What a great attitude that is. But you know what? What happens to you emotionally affects you spiritually. Now, somebody will say amen to that one. Because you know, as a matter of fact, I'll go, I'll go even farther than that. What happens to you financially will affect you spiritually. What happens in your relationships in your home will affect you spiritually. So, as we look at our emotions being affected by the different things that come our way in life, those things are going to affect us spiritually if we're not very careful. And not, not in a positive way either, in a negative way. They'll bring us down spiritually. And when we begin to struggle emotionally and spiritually, do you know what? Then sometimes we begin also to suffer physically. Listen to this. I'm talking about problems and stress and negativity in our life. Things dragging us down. 80 to 90% of all industrial accidents are related to personal problems and inability to handle stress. I didn't make that up. And then this one, 75 to 90% of all doctor visits are for stress-related issues. I didn't make that one up either. Isn't it amazing? It's, it's what we're thinking about and how we are allowing the things that come our way in this life, how we respond to those things. You see, if we take it to the Lord in prayer... If we bring it to the altar and leave it there, if we look to God, who is the the answer to all of our problems, and pour out our hearts to Him, it can make a difference, and we don't have to be absolutely decimated spiritually and emotionally. Problem is, a lot of times, we don't bring it to the Lord in prayer. Can I just take about two or three minutes and sound like an old-time preacher now? I can remember, I can remember the days when just about every service, especially a Sunday night service, but I can remember the days when just about every service ended with people at the altar crying and praying and leaning on the Lord. Anybody else remember that? I remember those days. Now... It's it's like people are afraid if they come down to the altar, something's going to happen to them. Well, something needs to happen to them. Amen. We need we need a we need an experience with the Lord that we're probably not going to find until we come to the altar and stay there and pray, as they used to say, what through exactly pray through the little the little. Two-minute prayer, you know, come bow down and then get up and go back to our seats. That's not the way they used to do it, is it? Oh, no. The way they used to do it is they'd they'd come down, sometimes pull the shoes off, get comfortable, find a place, and they parked right there with 
four or five or six or eight or ten or twelve people around them who were praying with them. And nobody got up until this person prayed through. Am I right? Somebody said those were the good old days. I sure wish some of that could find its way back into our hearts and lives now. You see, when you do that, when you pour out your heart to God, when a church comes together to bear one another's burdens that way, I'm going to tell you what happens to most of the bad attitudes and the negativity. Most of the time it just, it just leaves. Because when you get your eyes fixed on the Lord, the other stuff just doesn't seem to matter anymore. Amen? So these things will affect us emotionally and they'll affect us spiritually. We'll be in an emotional dark place. We'll be in a spiritual dark place. We'll physically we'll be in a dark place and then it affects us relationally. What do I mean by that? Now, I, there's a lot of things I can stand here and talk to you about and not be, quote, an expert. But here's something I'm going to tell you based on my own experience, what I know for a fact. When people are struggling emotionally, when they're struggling spiritually and when they're struggling physically, the next thing is almost inevitable if they don't turn to the Lord. And that is they're going to they're going to suffer and they're going to be in a dark place relationally. Instead of coming to the church where they should be, instead of being with the people of God where they should be, they begin to draw back and separate themselves. And then they stay home and it gets worse and worse and worse. We know that to be true. Many times over the years have I seen that. And it's, a, it's, it's following this pattern of, of responding to life in the wrong way. Listen, our, did the Lord promise us we were going to have a life free of trouble? Or free from sickness? Or free from problems? Did he promise us that? No, he did not. He promised us that in the world you're going to have trouble. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And I'll be with you. And I'll stay with you. And I'll help you. And I'll bring you out of those troubles. If you'll turn to me. And that's what he wants us to do. But if we complain... I'm going to say something here and I don't want you to, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying because I'm a pastor and people oftentimes go and talk to their pastor. Amen? And people should talk to the pastor. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. But you know what? If we go to another person and complain and whine and just go on and on and on being negative and murmuring about all our stuff, and we never talk to the Lord about it, but we talk to other people about it. We are going to make no progress. The only way we're going to get out of that spiritual dark place, relationally dark place, that physically that dark place, that emotional dark place. The only way we're going to do that is start doing what the Bible says. And that's talking to the Lord about it. I wish pastors had the ability to meet the needs of everybody, but I've just found out we just don't. And the Bible never said we should and did. We don't have that ability. We don't have the answer for you, but we can point you to the answer. And his name is Jesus. 
People often live in a pit of their own making. Chew on that one just a little bit. This dark place that people find themselves in, most of the time that is a place of our own making. If we had made different choices, if we had responded to those things differently, if we had had done like the scripture says, take it to the Lord in prayer, if we had leaned on him, trusted in him, cried out to him, cast all your care on the Lord for he cares for you. If we had done those things, we wouldn't be in that situation that we're in, that dark place. Ingratitude is kind of the root of it all. Finally, brethren, we read this one before. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, if there is any good news that you can find, meditate on these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Do we have even one Bible believer in this building? The Bible says if we will learn to think on and meditate on the right things, that the God of peace will be with you. I mean, this is, this is, this is not something that the pastor is, is manipulating words and, and trying to convince you of something. This is not psychology. This is good, sound theology from the Word of God. The Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 6, and we saw that before, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And if you'll do that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm going to read that one more time. Philippians 4, verse 6. And then it goes into this one, and we'll read that one in just a minute. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'll say again, sometimes we're in a pit of our own making. Thinking the wrong things, meditating on the wrong things, talking about the wrong things. As our musicians and you guys in the back are getting ready. Verse 8 again says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just. Oh, goodness, I'm reading that and this phrase comes to my mind. Juicy gossip. It, it, it ain't nowhere in this verse. It's not here. There's a lot of things you won't find in this verse. 
Because we're not thinking, we're not talking about things that are negative. We're not t- talking about other people and their problems and their flaws and their faults and what you don't like. We're not talking about anything. No, we're talking about things that are true and noble and just and things that are pure and things that are lovely and things that are of good report. Could everybody say good news? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about things of a good report. If there's anything virtuous and there's anything praiseworthy, if there's anything good and anything right, then meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. I'll submit to you, although... You haven't and I haven't ever experienced things like, well, I take that back. Maybe you have because I don't know your story. I know my story. I have never experienced a hurt so deep in my life like this man must have felt when his brother was murdered. And God gave him the grace to stand up and say to the woman who shot his brother, I want you to know I forgive you and I love you. I've never been in a situation when something that devastated had happened to me. But I do know this, that if I'm where I need to be with the Lord and something like that does come, he'll give me the grace to respond in the same Christ-like way that that man did. Or I can make a choice. I can make a choice to be filled with bitterness and hate and contempt and be a bad example and let everybody hear me complain and, and how that this was, I've been so mistreated. This has been so bad. I can focus on that and get in a dark place or I can be forgiving and loving and let the love of Jesus and the light of God's greatness just glow where everybody can see it. choir usually sings this song, but today I'm going to ask you to sing it. Would you stand with me? And let's, let's sing this song together. This, this song is a declaration. I will give thanks. I will give thanks. Let's sing it together.
happen to us that we think are unfair if we could only remember to respond like Jesus responds while going to the cross he was 
mistreated cruelly in so many ways. And the Bible teaches us in the original, you'll see this, borne out. When he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He didn't say that one time. He said it repeatedly. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. God help us. In America, there are churches where where people sit on different sides of the church and haven't spoken to each other in years. And say they're lovers of God on their way to heaven. I'm going to tell you, according to the Bible, God's got a problem with that. So we have to make sure that we don't allow the negativity and the attitude this worldliness is all it is don't let that get a hold of us but we're going to be thankful we're going to choose to focus on the good and we're going to have a spirit that is right before the Lord and be like Jesus is thank you Lord for your faithfulness and your goodness towards us I thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. I thank you, Lord, for making me whole. I thank. we find ourselves in that pit that dark place according to the Bible what we should do we should praise our way out give glory to God focus on what he's done in our lives and begin to rejoice in the Lord always and give him the praise that he's worthy of and if you're here today and you don't know him you're not a Christian you haven't fully surrendered your life to the Lord. I would invite you to do what I said just a few moments ago, you know, like it used to be. You just come and bow at the altar and commit your life to the Lord Jesus and ask him to forgive you, to save your soul, to wash away your sins. You make the decision you want to live for Jesus and ask him for forgiveness. The Bible says it's done. He'll do it. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as we sing that one more time, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. If you're here today and you would like to to yield your life to him, you would like to be saved today, or you would like to recommit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and do things the right way. 
we'd invite you to come. This is your time while we sing this song one more time. this morning for us as we go into Thanksgiving season to look at the positive, to look at the good. No matter what we're facing, there's some good to be found. If that good is only through Him and knowing that our reward awaits us one day. We're getting ready to enter into a time of prayer here. If you have a request, as we do each and every week, feel free to lift up your hand. You don't have to speak it out. But if you want that assurance of speaking it, we certainly would love to hear and pray with you not only today, but throughout this week and the coming weeks until that prayer is answered. See hands going up. pastor spoke with me before uh, church today, a uh, young lady, um, last name was Brigman, I can't, uh, 
April Brigman uh, had half of her foot removed uh, this week due to diabetes. Um, and she reached out to him and, and wanted us to lift her up in prayer. Uh, so we certainly want to remember that as well. Anyone else? Okay. Yes. All right. Let us bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this sweet spirit that we have felt here today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for a church that we can come to and worship, Father. Lord, we thank you for a pastor, Lord, that will speak the truth and preach from the word each and every week, Father. Lord, we pray and thank you, Lord, for the uh, message of thanksgiving today, Lord Jesus, and what it means to us, Father, as we enter this season. And Lord, you heard each and every request that went up to you today, Father. Each and every person is looking to you for that answer, Lord. They're laying their cares at the foot of the cross, Father, knowing that you will provide an answer, Father. So Lord, while I can't remember each and every one, and I don't want to miss one, Father, you've heard the need. You know the hearts of each and every person here, and we lay them at your feet, Father. Be with us this week, Father. Answer these prayers, Lord, and let us give you praise and honor for your supplication, Father. We give you glory, honor, and praise today, for it's in your name we ask all things. Amen.